Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue trying to figure out what's going on inside of us and try to figure out how to to ask Jesus into those broken places. And one of the most broken places that I struggle with and I believe that we all struggle with is our will. We always just want to do what we want to do, right? You know, as much as we we want Jesus and as much as we ask Jesus in and as much as we say we want to do it His way, when the emotions flare and times times are difficult and there's trials and we're overwhelmed, Jesus isn't always our first choice. Now we might throw up a Hail Mary, right? You know, we, we say some prayers and we really just want Jesus to to come with us on our, our next few steps. You know what? And I find that over and over again, when my emotions are spiked or situations are out of my control or, you know, money's tight or there's something that's going on that, that feels like an attack or there's something going on where I'm confused or I don't understand, my default is my way. Because that's what I trust the most. However, I've proven to myself time and time again that my way leads to destruction. You know, that I have been convinced on more times than I can count that I will destroy everything I touch. You know, and apart from Jesus saving my life and His grace moving in and Him teaching me how to apply His Word, everything I've ever done got burnt to the ground. You know, I have no real success pre-Jesus. Now I have little blips on the screen where it says, hey, Tom achieved this, or Tom did this, or Tom did that. But following that is a story how I threw it all away, or I ran away, or I set the thing on fire, and I quit a job, and I destroyed a relationship, or I quit college. So right behind me trying to say all of Tom's achievements is a story on how Tom destroyed it. But I'm a good blame shifter. I don't know about you. I can always find someone and something to find fault with it, to, to make that the scapegoat of Tom's beautiful story and how I should have had a better life, but the world was out to get me. The truth be known, I'm my worst enemy. And what I didn't realize is that for the majority of my life, Jesus has been trying to get my attention and show me that there was a different way to live, but I thought I knew stuff. I was a genius. All I really knew how to do was sin, and I was good at it. And I thought that I was having fun. And in reality, I was creating a a bigger and bigger mess as the years went on. And I came to some places in my life where I learned how I, I needed to surrender. The first place I learned where I needed to surrender is when the cops were telling me that they wanted to arrest me and I didn't think that that was a good idea. And at some point or another, I needed to surrender or there was going to be consequences. 
Now, I've been arrested a few times in my life, and there's times that I've surrendered, and then there's times I've resisted. And they have this thing called pepper spray that makes you surrender real quickly when you choose to not follow what they're asking you to do. See, I've learned that the more that I try to do it my way, or the more that I don't want to listen to authority, it leads me down this path of life where eventually I end up in a place where I can't make any of my own decisions and someone's making my decisions for me. And usually I have beautiful little bracelets on and an orange jumper. And I'm told when to get up and when to go to bed and what to eat and what I can do and when to shower. And that's the result of someone that wants his own will. Now I know that some of you in here have never had the, the, the wonderful experience of being a resident of the county or state. Some of us have. It's not a lot of fun. But when I came to this place where I realized that I needed to surrender my life, you know, I've been trying to do it my way over and over and over again. And I came to this conclusion that I had no idea how to stay sober. I believed in that there was a God and he was out there somewhere, but it wasn't Jesus. So I was just basically doing whatever I want, and any time that something would go my way, I would say it was God, and every time that something wasn't going my way, I would complain to the guy in the sky. You know, and I would tell him how he got things wrong, and he should fix it. Because after all, I knew exactly how my life was supposed to go. Don't we all? I came to this place where after another relapse, You know, I went back to an AA meeting because that's what you do. You know, and if it wasn't for AA, I don't think that I would have survived. However, there was a girl outside of this AA meeting that night, and she asked me if I wanted to come to her church because they were doing a recovery meeting. And I said, why not? can't hurt me. You know, and I went to a Celebrate Recovery meeting for the very first time, and, and it's when I heard the message of the gospel, loud and clear. Now, many of us have grown up in church, or many of us have been around church. Many of us think that we believe in God, but there's something different when you hear the good news for the first time. Something begins to change in your heart that doesn't make any sense. Something begins to come over you, and you realize that I am a broken man, and I need help. You know, and I sat there and I weeped and I weeped and I weeped. And I realized that I am not God and I need to surrender my life. But I had no idea how to do that. You know, and after a few weeks, I decided that if I was going to be serious about this God stuff, that I should go to church. Because after all, that's what you're supposed to do, right? And I don't remember anything that was preached that day, but I remember at the end of the service, the pastor said, does anybody want to accept Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior? And I popped up out of my chair and I started walking towards the front of the church. And it wasn't until I rounded the corner of the, you know, at the front of the church and I looked at all the people and my brain started to kick in and be like, what are you doing? And I stood in front of the pastor and he said, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I said, I don't know. And I backed up. 
And inside of my head, all I could hear is like, are you going to be religious? Is that really what we're about to do? And Pastor Rick explained something to me that moment that I'd never really heard before. That if I accept Jesus Christ into my heart, that he's going to fill me to overflowing. And I've never met him before that moment. But I had a belief about myself that I was a virus. That I was so bad that if I got around you, your life would start to get bad. That the, the evil and the, the sickness that was on my life, because I had just been dealt this poor hand of cards, that if you got too close to me, that your life would start to go bad too. And no matter what I tried to put in that hole, it was never enough. And this guy I'd never met before told me if I accepted Jesus that that hole was going to get filled up. Now, I wasn't completely convinced about this Jesus stuff in that moment. However, I accepted Jesus that day. And it wasn't because I was trying to get into heaven and it wasn't because I was afraid to go to hell because honestly I thought I was living in hell as it was at I accepted Jesus because I needed the pain to stop. And I've tried everything my way to make the pain go away, and it's never worked. But isn't that the story of our lives, that we try and try and try again to make the heartache go away, to make the crazy go away, to make the pain go away, to make the abandonment go away, to make the rejection go away, to make the fear go away? We try all these things. Oh, I believe in God. But yet am I surrendered to Jesus? Typically, I didn't know how to do that. All I knew was that I was going to try something different for the first time. I didn't want to be religious. I didn't want to be known as a Christian. What are my friends going to think? I wasn't quite sure if I believed in all this hocus-pocus. To me, it was just a, an organization, a building. You went, you listened to somebody speak that sounded like Snoopy's teacher. They passed a plate. You were supposed to put your dollar in because Jesus needed your money and that you were supposed to stop sinning. And how do you do any of that? All of my years growing up, I don't ever remember hearing the gospel I don't ever remember someone saying that you needed to read your word. Not a once. Now that doesn't mean that those things might not have been said. I just wasn't ready to hear them. And it wasn't a principle that you heard quite often in the churches growing up when I was a kid. You know, if you're real special, you got to sing in the choir and you got a little robe. And that you were fancy. You know, and that meant you were extra special and you could tell other people what to do. That's what I remember as a kid because there was a lady in the church that ran the church that was evil and she sang in the choir, so she was must have been the most important one because everybody did what she told them to do. She was mean. I watched my mom live a lifestyle that was completely different than what we were taught to do in church. You know, and at some point, at the age of reason, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, Jesus went out the window. It's all just made up stories that adults tell. 
you know, and although I got dragged to church time and time again in my youth, I never understood what it really meant to believe in God. Now, if you would ask me as a teenager if I believed in God, I'm like, sure, I go to church. But what did I really believe? I couldn't have told you. You know, and as I went away to college and I got partying harder and harder, I took an atheistic stance and said that there can't be a God. And that's what I carried through most of my 20s until I realized that there's things in my life that I could not change no matter how hard I tried. See, I'm a firm believer that each one of us has areas in our lives that we really don't like about ourselves. We don't like that we do it. We don't like that we feel this way. We don't like that we think this way. And as much as we try to change those things on our own and still try to do it today, we always end up with the same exact result of things not changing. But yet, where's Jesus in that equation? I know that I try to change things my way far more than I do to try to surrender them to Jesus. Why? Honestly, I think it's because I don't trust him. Is he going to give me what I want? I don't know. He might make me do things I don't want to do. If I let go of this area, it's something that I want to do. What's he going to replace it with? There's this big discussion that goes on in our heads about surrendering certain areas of our lives. And when we get to that place that we want to surrender it and we put it down, and then five seconds later we pick it back up because Jesus didn't do what we want him to do yet. I know I'm not the only one. See, for me, AA was a foundational piece before I got to Jesus. And I I honestly believe that if I didn't spend the years in AA that I did coming to an understanding where I needed a God of my understanding, that there's no way I would have been ready for Jesus and the church and religious people. Because there's foundational things that got put in my, my life, and as far as my recovery is concerned, that are extremely important. And when I came to Jesus and I found out all those things were all biblical, it made those things grow exponentially, and I realized why I was doing them in the first place. Because our word tells us that his word does not come back void. There's millions of alcoholics that are working a program, reading a big book, and they don't even realize they're reading the Bible most of the time. If you would have told me that all that stuff came out of the Bible, there's no way I would have read it. I got okie doped. <laughs> See, step one tells me that I'm powerless over my addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, porn, food, cupcakes, whatever, fill in the blank. I'm powerless over the thing that I can't stop touching, and my life is out of control. Now that goes for numerous amounts of things. Step two tells me that I came to believe that a God of my understanding would restore me to sanity. Well, how can he restore me to something I've never had? I didn't understand that. We just like we'll just we'll put that one on the shelf. 
I have to believe in something and I'm going to get something I never had and he's invisible. This is going to make a lot of sense. Let's go. And then I have to turn my will over to a God of my understanding. See, pre-Jesus, there's a lot of roadblocks in that. I'm a master manipulator and I'm a control freak, so there's nothing that's out of my control. So how can I admit that I'm powerless when I think that I can get anything I want? I'll just say that I did it. Check. I came to believe in the God of my understanding. He's going to restore sanity. Well, I'm not an atheist anymore. I believe that there's a God. I'm never going to be sane. Check. We'll just, you know, we'll just check the box and keep moving. Turn my will over to God of my understanding. Well, I don't want to get high anymore, so I guess I've turned my will over. Check. But the truth of the matter is that there, there's a ton of stuff that goes on in the midst of these principles that we overlook because we're not really paying attention and we don't really want to change. And it doesn't mean that we don't say that we want to change and it doesn't mean that we're not trying to change, but we're still trying to do it our way so that are we really powerless or are we still trying to control it? So if my life is unmanageable, that means I'm releasing control, but if my life is still in my control, am I really reached a place of unmanageability? Am I really powerless if I'm still trying to do everything? See, there's a circular thinking in there that if I'm still trying to manipulate and control everything around me, I have not reached powerlessness. Now, I may understand that my addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, porn, food, fill in the blank, is destroying me, but I'm not ready to release control and let someone else or God help me in that area. So therefore, I haven't really reached a place of unmanageability. So my stuff in my life is still out of control, even if I'm sober, because I'm still controlling it. I may be abstinent of whatever it is that I'm trying to get freedom from, and I may have weeks, months, years, but my brain is still crazy. And then I have to come to this understanding that I believe in God. And He's going to restore me to sanity. And that was like a huge jump for me. I think restoring me to sanity was a bigger leap than believing that Jesus was real. Like, it was easier for me to say, all right, this Jesus stuff is real because I got a book. But sanity, for me, I don't know. That's not a thing. Like, that's like a literal miracle. Like, oh, you know, like, something's going to have to happen because I was insane. I knew it. I had no doubt. I was crazy. But see, there's a word in there, that word restore. It needs to make it better than it ever was. And see, for me to truly apply this step and the previous step, that I have to believe in a loving God who not only wants to save me, but He wants to heal me. He wants to restore every area of my life if I would surrender it to Him. See, I can't surrender things to Him if I'm still trying to be in power. I can't surrender things to Him if I'm still trying to control it. So these things start to stack on top of each other. And I started to realize that I'm powerless over everything in my life. Every person, the way they act, the way they live their lives the way I live my life, 
at that point in my life, I had no ability to change a lot of things. And every time I tried to do it my way, I'd always end up back at the beginning. And those of you that are around me, and we talk about step stuff, and we try to do step work, this is a lot like shoots and ladders, the the kids game that we used to play. You put a lot of work in, you roll the die, you're going along, and the next thing you know, you land on something and you try to do it your way, woo, back to the beginning. And then you roll the die and you're trying to live your life and you're trying to get all the things in place and you're trying to read your Bible and you're trying to behave yourself and you're trying to stay away from this and stay away from that, woo, back to the beginning. And see, this is something that gets repeated over and over and over again because we don't really realize how foundational some of these principles really need to be in our lives. Because the second I step out and I try to control it, woo, back at the beginning. The second I think that Jesus needs my help, woo, back at the beginning. The second I think I have power over something, woo, back at the beginning. The second I don't think that he can, woo, back at the beginning. The second I don't trust God, woo, back at the beginning. And trust me, I've gone back to the beginning a lot. And I realized, like, if I go this way or that way, well, I went that way last time. I'm going to go this way. But let me try this way one more time. Woo! Back at the beginning. I thought I figured it out this time. To a point that I got so tired of trying to force my will, even in Christ, I'm like, I just, I give up. And it wasn't like I give up that I quit. It's like I give up, I surrender. They're totally different. Because normally when I say I give up, I quit, and then I run away. And most of us are runners in here. We just find different ways to run. Some of us can run a long way and not even move because we went there in our head. You know, we cannot change a thing, but our whole disposition, our whole mindset, our whole, you know, the way our heart is can be completely different in a moment when we give up because we ran. Some of us, if we let one thing in, we know where we're headed and we're going to be heading there fast. And that locomotive is going quick and it's going to pick up a lot of cars along the way and I don't know where it's going to stop and it's not going to be pretty. See, over and over and over again, I had to find out that I was powerless and it was a hard lesson to learn because I'm a manipulator and a control freak. And I'm a man. I'm supposed to be able to do stuff. I can't do it my way and his way at the same time. And over and over and over again, he was teaching me, Tom, trust me. Through the years, I can't even count how many times I wanted to quit. And I would argue with him all day long. And I would get right to the edge. I'd be ready to email Pastor Mike. I'd be ready to call Pastor Mike and say, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to move on. I'm going to leave the church. I'm going to go to a different church. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a job. Like, I've run every scenario in my head to make my life better. And right at the that moment, the Holy Spirit always kicks in. Do you trust me? And being a good Christian, I have to say yes. So how dare I say the wrong answer? Because I believe in him. But I don't trust him. 
See, we can believe in God and not trust Him all at the same time. But what it is about God that we believe brings us to a place of actually trusting Him. See, as the third step talks is that we turn our will over to the God of our understanding. How do we understand God? Well, we can listen to the world tell us about God. We can listen to Hollywood tell us about God. We can have a conversation with our friend who tells us about God. We can have a conversation with a family member who tells us about God. We can even have our religious parents tell us about God, and we can still miss it. The only thing that I've found that really tells us who Jesus Christ really is is the Word of God. All of us will interpret it wrong, unfortunately, because we're not Him. I'm a master manipulator, and I still want to manipulate Scripture to my will. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can do anything I want in Jesus' name. I don't think that that is what it really means, Tom. Paul's talking about not having any money and not having any food, and he's going to push through because he can do it with Christ. Well, I don't want to be hungry or poor. Nah, that's not what the Bible really says. God has a purpose and a plan for my life, and I'm going to prosper. But the next 70 years, you're going to be gone in isolation, and you're going to have to serve your masters. I don't like that next verse. We're just going to stick with the first verse. Like, if we take the Bible in complete context, no, why would we want to do that? See, as I started to read my word, it helped me to realize how powerful God was. As I started to read my word, it gave me a place that I realized that even in my unmanageability, I could release control. See, even in my word, as I came to believe in God, I had a deeper understanding of who Christ was and how God's principles were moving in all different situations in my life. And I realized that his love for me was greater than my understanding. See, that's a God I can believe that's going to restore me because he loves me more than I can understand. See, as I read my word and I come to these places where I want to take up my own will, I realize that his will is better and I can surrender What if I was to tell you that Jesus is safe? He's a safe place to turn when everything else has been painful. But he's going to make me open up some of those past doors where I stuff all my stuff. Yeah, because it's hurting you. And he's strong enough and he's safe enough and he loves you enough to walk you into those places and protect you as you... Look that stuff straight in the face and say, you don't own me anymore. My identity is no longer in my abuse. My identity is no longer in my childhood. My identity is no longer in that sin. My identity is no longer in my adolescence. My identity is no longer in what other people said about me. My identity is in Christ and Christ alone. But the only way that I can do that is if I look that stuff in the face and say, you don't own me anymore. And the only way that I can do that is I have to stop trying to manage it or control it. I have to believe that he loves me enough that he's going to restore me in spite of what I think about myself. And that his will is better for me than my will. In spite that I continue to try to do it my way, even though I'm convinced that my way will bring absolute destruction. See, 
there's times that we think that we have to believe in Jesus and take these steps of blind trust. But I don't believe that it is a blind trust because he gave us his word of God. He works these things out in every man. There's not one sin that hasn't been overcome according to the word of God. There's not one sin that can't be forgiven according to the word of God. God shows up at the nick of time all the time according to the word of God. So when I take this step of trusting Jesus, it's not blind trust. I have a book that has thousands of years of testimonial stories of how he delivered Israel, how he delivered man, and time and time again in spite of himself. That if he can do what he did for David, if he can do what he did for Paul, he can do that stuff for us. But do we believe in a biblical God, or do we believe in a God of my understanding apart from the Word of God? Because I can say I believe in Jesus, but still not believe in the Jesus of the Bible. And that's where a lot of times we get ourselves in trouble is because I can't trust that God that's in my head apart from the God that's in the Bible because I don't have scripture that I can stand on that continues to prove to me that this is legitimate, that he is real, that he is true, that his word is true, that his Bible is true, and that I can trust it time and time again. I do believe that there's times that he wants us to trust him and he's not going to tell us why or what we're about to do. He just wants us to take a step. And for me, that isn't blind trust anymore because I'm not blind to what he's capable of doing because I've watched him do it through his word and I've watched him do it in my life. Each one of us in here has a testimony how Jesus showed up at the right moment and that he began to change us and we haven't been the same ever since. And if he can do it in that area, can he do it in this area? But that means I have to let go of that area. True. And why am I not willing to let go of that area? Well, let's look at it. I still like to do it. I still find pleasure in it. I don't really think it's that big of a deal. I mean, after all, like Jesus has more important things to take care of than me and my little sin that isn't that big of a deal because I tell myself it's not a big deal. Therefore, it must not be a big deal. But yet each one of us has a moment where the Holy Spirit said, hey, that's a big deal. Will you surrender that to me? And we're like, yeah, I'll surrender that to me later. Many of us have been at that moment where we've tried to surrender and we pick it back up again because we're afraid to let go of whatever it is. So why is it so hard for us to trust him? Most of the people that said that they loved us have been the ones that have hurt us most. And we have to push through that lie that even though God is is spoken of as our Father, He's not our biological father. He's our heavenly father, and he does not operate in the same way. Even though Jesus says he comes closer than a brother, even if we've had brothers that hurt us, that Jesus is not our biological brother. He is our heavenly brother. He does not operate in the same way. See, I think that we have to take God at his word, even though we... We have a hard time trusting other people at their word. 
So often, rather than having Christ in us, we put us in God. So then I think God should handle things this way or that way, rather than him coming in me and allowing him to tell me how I should do things. And I think that sometimes we make faith into this spooky, super spiritual, supernatural thing, when I think sometimes it's just like God said this in his Bible, I should do this and not do that. I think sometimes it can be that easy. I think other times it can be easy as I want to do this, but I think I'm supposed to do that. And I have to say I trust you, Jesus, a hundred times, and then I can take a step because I, I have all this emotion on the inside of me that's bubbling up that wants me to go the wrong way. I think for me, one of the most important things that I've learned is that I trust you, Jesus, and I push through the fear. And I watch how he continues to, to take care of things. I know that if I did it my way instead of his way, that painful things happen. That's way too simple, right? What if it really was that simple and we just overcomplicate it time and time and time again because we think it's supposed to be something that it's not? What if it literally was do what the Bible asks us to do and do what the Bible asks us not to do? Well, that can't be right. But what if it was? You know, be kind to people, love people, pray for people, give to people. Resist this, resist that, arrest the thought. Don't be double-minded. Turn it over. Ask God for wisdom. What, what if we started really just taking the scriptures that most of us all know and actually said, you know what, in this moment, that's what I need to do. Instead of going into warfare and praying and calling down heavens and realms and what if we were to just say, this is what the Bible says and this is what I'm going to do? See, too often, I rely on my own understanding. Because after all, I'm a genius, right? Or the Bible tells us to trust the Lord and not lean on my own understanding. Because I'm not a genius. Thanks, Jesus. I love it when you tell me the truth about myself. That I need to acknowledge Him in all of my ways and that He makes my pathway straight. But I like wandering around in the wilderness. It's so much fun. I like wasting years. It's a blast. For some of us that are control freaks that we think we need to understand everything before we do it, What if we decided that we were going to stop trying to understand everything before we did it and say, I trust you, Jesus, and take a step? Where could we find ourselves? Where would we end up? But I don't know what's going to happen. That's okay. He does. You know, I've been trying to do ground zero for a long time now. You know, I think that originally, it's probably 13 years ago when he started giving me the vision where one day I would be. You know, and Celebrate Recovery was a big part of that, even though I thought that I was going to get further than that, quicker than that. You know, and, and over and over again, as I wanted to quit, he kept telling me to sit still. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. 
Do we, anybody ever have arguments with the Holy Spirit and yeah, but it's the thing that's coming out of our face? We're trying to convince them that it could be different. You're actually God. You can do what I want you to do. I mean, you can do something different in your name, Jesus. Like, give me what I want in your name. He's like, yeah, you still don't get it. You know, it's been over a decade that I've been sitting still waiting. You know, probably the first half of that decade, I was real restless because I thought I was going to be somewhere that I wasn't ready to be. I started really realizing that I'm grateful that he hasn't given me what I think I wanted because I wasn't ready for it. And then I really started to realize that his love for me goes beyond my understanding. So actually, it's his grace that hasn't allowed me to have the things that I want because because I wasn't ready, it probably would have destroyed me. So in his love for me, he's kept things back, even though some of the things that I want, all the things that I technically want are good, I would say. And then eventually I started to learn that I need to be still and trust him. I need to be still and know him. And I got way better at this being powerless thing. I got way better at releasing my control. I got way better at understanding that he's restoring me even when I don't see that he's doing stuff. I got way better at turning my will over and realizing that his will is far better than anything that I can understand. And that at his perfect time, he brings something into our lives and it doesn't ever move again. How often have we tried to manipulate our scenarios and try to get what we think we want and we have it for just a second and it's like gone again? But, but, but. I don't know. If it's not his today, I just don't want it. And that's hard to say because I want a lot of stuff. I'm not absent from wanting things. I'm just done trying to do it my way, if that makes sense. And the only way that I got to that place is waiting and trusting and turning over, turning over, turning over, turning over. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. It's a prayer that I've prayed more than any other prayer. I've probably prayed it millions of times. Because everything inside of my heart and everything inside my brain says run or do it this way. And I have to say, no, that's not what I'm supposed to do. And I have to say, I trust you, Jesus, even though when the ship doesn't feel like it's moving. He directs our steps, right? We make plans. He directs our steps. How many times have we made plans and tried to to implement those plans? And he was like, boop, left turn. And we're like, but, 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 but. Sometimes I felt really close to the thing that I thought I wanted and all of a sudden it's like, woo, here we go. And I'm like, Jesus, you you took me in the wrong direction. What I wanted was right over there. And he's like, yeah, no. I don't think that turning my will over is a one-time thing. I don't even think turning my will over sometimes is a daily thing. 
there's times that my brain wants what it wants, and I need to turn my will over dozens of times before we even get to lunch. But it's a principle. I turn my will over to the God of my understanding. For me, that's the God of the Bible. Why do I turn my will over to the God of the Bible? Because I know that he loves me. And why do I know that he loves me? Because I believe in him and I believe in his word. Why can I release control to him? And why can I be powerless in my situations? Is because I know he ultimately has the power. and He ultimately has everything figured out in his omnipresence and his providence. That his will will be accomplished in my life and your life. And any time I try to disrupt that and force my will, I run into a brick wall. Thank Jesus, I have a hard head. I think that if we can get this message deep inside of us, and we'll stop wrestling with them so much. But I think at the very center of this is that we really need to understand that Jesus loves us more than we possibly could understand (laughs) because we know that he loves us more than we can understand we are able to let go of our current situations and get our eyes fixed on him and the more we can get our eyes fixed on him our current situation whether it's good or bad begins to die down because we're not living by sight we're living by faith so often we're living by sight and we try to throw faith on it and it doesn't work and we wonder why it's not working we're like, well, I'm praying, Jesus. And he's like, I know, but you're still looking at it. you got to look at me. you got to trust me. Don't trust what's going on around you, because that can change in a moment. Every one of us has had a day that we woke up one way, and by the time we went to bed that day, our life was completely different. And we didn't know what was coming. And we've been living with that ever since. Things can change in a second. That's why I know I'm ultimately powerless. And I have to trust that his will is being manifested in my life, in your life, and because he loves me more than he could, I could ever understand. He loves you more than I could understand. So even if I think that you should do this or do that, if you want to do whatever you want to do, I'm okay with it because ultimately he loves you more than I do. He's going to help you better than I ever could. The more we get our eyes focused on him and realize how much he loves us, it begins to change the way we live our lives. Well, I believe in God. That's great. What do you believe about God? Do you really believe that he loves you in spite of all the sins that you've committed and all the sins that you're still committing? That can I be an absolute wretch on one side and saved by grace on the other? Yeah. And I think that his grace is sufficient and empowers me to change because his love gets me to change. I honestly want to do his will with everything, every ounce of my being. And I still resist him at times. Why? Because I'm stubborn. Just as stubborn as you guys. Yay. So I'm going to pray that we're going to become a little bit more flexible, that our hardened clay becomes more moldable, and the potter that he is is going to shape us into who we were meant to be. Amen? Amen. Can you just bow your heads with me?
Lord, I just ask that you would move in us. That you would move in me. Lord, that you would pour out your rain upon us, Lord. That you'd soften our hard grounds. You'd soften our hard hearts, Lord. That we become moldable to your will. That you would form us into the, the very thing that you have called us to be. The very thing that we've been born to be. Lord, that you've created us within the womb for a purpose and a plan. And yet we've been going against that since we were little. Lord, I pray that your reign would come and overflow in our lives, Lord, that we would be softened to your touch, that we'd be softened to your voice, Lord, that we would be moldable, that you would mold us in to become the very vessels that we are born to be. Lord, I pray that the, the areas that we're struggling with, Lord, that we would get so fed up with it that we would start to confess it one to you and then one to another, Lord, that your word tells us that if we confess our sins, to a brother or sister, Lord, that they can pray for us and there can be deliverance, there can be healing. So, Lord, I pray that we would realize that these battles, that we don't have to face them alone, that you're with us in the midst of our darkness, no matter how dark it is, that you are a light. So, Lord, I pray that you come into these areas, Lord, and your conviction becomes so strong that we can't keep doing it. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your presence upon us, Lord, that we would feel your presence in these moments of temptation, that we would resist and surrender and submit ourselves to you. Lord, I pray if there's anything that has been hardwired into us and we've had a bent to sin in a certain area, that we would truly repent and we would turn from that and we would turn towards you and that we would ask our brothers and sisters into these areas for accountability and and for the sole purpose, Lord, that we would lock arms with them and that we would fight our fights together. Lord, that we would realize that we are the body of Christ and that we, we need each other to be able to overcome certain areas of our lives. So, Lord, I just thank you so much for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen.